Today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast from Scoop News Group, reaping the benefits of consolidation in Nebraska, plus how automation is changing things in Tennessee, and Vermont's path forward on modernization and digital services. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world and learn about the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. It's been about seven years since Nebraska embarked on a large-scale IT consolidation. The effort was helmed by Ed Toner, the state's CIO, since he joined government from the private sector in 2015. Toner tells me about his experience leading this consolidation and looks forward to the future as a new governor takes the helm of Nebraska early into the new year. Uh, things are things are really growing great. I mean, we've we've kind of moved from that tactical phase that we were in the first few years of trying to get all of our fundamentals right and you know, we've talked about that before. I'm a big fundamentals guy, you know, get get the blocking and the tackling done. We've met those goals. I think we're right where we need to be as a mature organization. And so we're kind of making that next turn, which is strategy, right? Helping all of the agencies that we support in their strategy development. And um, so it's really, really been kind of one of those things that uh, took us the first few years to, to get our own house in order, to make sure that we're delivering on those services that we should be delivering on. And it just was a natural, I, I wouldn't say it was even, a, a, okay, guys, we're gonna switch the, the, the you know, pull, pull a trigger here and go to strategic. I think it just became a natural fit between us and our agency partners that, hey, we've got to start talking strategy now. What is our long-term goals? Uh, and uh, so we're getting much more involved in our agency's business. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. We're finally understanding what they do, and they're able to talk to us, and we're able to fill in their strategy, their mission. Their, you know I understand more about the different agencies than I ever thought I would, and more because they've welcomed us in to their kind of their business model. And uh, so it's been fun. It's yeah, we, we've changed, changed gears. I officially told my team we're strategic, we're strategic now. Uh, that that's where we're really going. You know, I, I think about this era where we hear at Anasio all the time about how CIOs are becoming those strategic enablers of, of business across agencies. I mean, for you to be in that position now, I mean, what does that look like, right? I, you talk about having conversations with agencies, getting in their business, as you said. Uh, what does that look like in practice? What are these conversations like? And, and what are some of the things that you're enabling? Right. Uh, well, you know, the big one that we're doing now is we have a portal for HHS and we wanted to start with HHS. We have a we, we wanted to get into the B2C, B2B business, having a central portal and no better place to start than HHS because of all the service offerings that they have and how many people they support and the population that they support and their needs. Um, and we talked about it. We sat down and we it, literally it was a lunch conversation of where do we want to be right with with this. And we wanted to make it easier for our customers to engage HHS, right? And, and this could you could you could put in there any agency name. We just it just happened to be that it was me and the the HHS director, and we were talking about her strategy. Where does she want to be? And we started talking about. I, I started talking about. Well, I really want a central portal, and we want identity management, and we want to make it easier. Oh, we've got to have mobile content, right? It's got to be something that people can use on the mobile phones. And we started talking. Next thing we know, we started acting, 
right? And she, of course, is working on her Ford uh, um, technology documents and things. And she invited me into that process. So I became part of the strategy because she invited me to the meetings and said, Ed, what do you think? And so we organically started to bond over, okay, what is the strategy? Well, that's then other agencies started hearing about what we're doing. And I said, well, yep, you're next in line. And so they're starting to think about, okay, how do we get this single portal? And HHS did a great job of advertising. It's I called it's iServe. Um, and you come in and, and we call it the no wrong door where you can come in, give your information. Um, come, some pretty slick. They did some really good. They did the, the content we helped do, but the actual what it looks like they did. And they did a great job of, of really making it flow well and all that. So that's probably going to be our next uh, or we're going to continue to be working on that and refining that and then inviting other agencies to join us in that in that same model. So it was really that organic, that just spontaneous. We didn't sit there and go, OK, let's go sit down and have a strategy talk. We just sat down and said, hey, what do we what do we what's next? What's next for us? Right. And when you when you take those kind of conversations, right, you're talking at the, you know, department head level, strategic mm -hmm. level, when you take those conversations back to your office, the office of the CIO, uh, and you are working with your team to put some of these things in place. I mean, what does that look like operationally, right? This is the, this is kind of that, that difficult part that CIOs nowadays are sort of in the middle of, right? You, you sort of have to operationalize all this strategy now that you're at this point. So what does that look like? How are those conversations going and, and how does the work that you've done over the last six years really? really make that possible well i i think you're exactly right when you said you know the work we've done over the last six years of getting our fundamentals in place and my team was kind of feeling like they were ready for that next thing right so i came in talked to them and said hey i just had a great conversation and of course i can think up a million things that they can do right but sometimes they they think okay that's a good idea ed and a lot of times they say no that's not at all well in this case i kind of said, hey, this is what I'm looking at. And it was almost like pent up. They wanted to do more. They were ready for, and I wrote an article years ago, I said, first the fundamentals in the shiny objects. And they actually reminded me and said, now we are, we're ready for the shiny objects. These are the shiny objects that we, you know, we were waiting for you to get us going. And so they, through the pandemic, they really got involved in the B2B piece of that because of all the health centers that we had to to in, interact with and and uh, then the B2C. And so they'd already done this. So they'd already done the proof of concept for what I was considering. And so they said, well, wow, this is great because now we can do it on a much larger scale. And that's fitting in really well. So my team then, of course, met with their counterparts at HHS and we just kind of spun it up from there. And we meet every week and uh, we do a whole meeting of, so what's next? What are we doing? We're doing it for, uh, it's agile development. Um, every three weeks, we have some new parks, part of the uh, process um, that has uh, developed. And so we are more offerings every week, more questions being asked, more um, offerings being added to the portal. And it's really, and I was just having this conversation with one of my other direct reports. They said, you know, it's just, it's kind of brought us together, right? Because we we found that that fundamentals are in place. We all know each other, how to get things done. 
we work together well with our agency uh, customers. And now they're starting to see, wait a minute, we've got some value add here coming from all of this base fundamentals, blocking and tackling, whatever we called it, the tactical stuff is finally allowing us to do what we really want to do now, right? They want to make the engagement with the customer, with the end customer easier, you know, uh, frictionless, right? Which is the word everybody's throwing around. They like it. They know they're ready for it. And it's not like, oh, well, we, we're not ready. That, that, that environment's not ready. No, they're, it is ready. And uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of paid off. Um, and so I think my, myself, I used to, if you asked me six years ago who my customer was, I'd say the agency. If you ask me today, it's the residents of Nebraska, right? Because now I'm getting into the agencies, as I said earlier, I'm getting into their business. And so I'm understanding what they do for a living for the, for the residents of Nebraska. My team is now understanding it. And so everything is kind of, you couldn't put this plan together. It has to organically develop, but we have shifted from, okay, we're, we're helping agency X to we're helping agency X's customer. Right. So the natural progression. And so, I mean, you know, you're, you're now seven years in uh, among the longer tenured CIOs uh, across the country. Um, and, and I'm sure that some folks who are, you know, six months in or a couple months in are looking at sort of what you've gotten done over those seven years and envious, right? Envious of of that groundwork, envious of that that blocking and tackling those fundamentals. Um, what advice do you have for a, a newer CIO uh, as they as they enter into a relatively uncertain <laughs> uh, environment for themselves uh, in in a job that you know the the average lifespan is is less than three years. Uh, how do you encourage them to make the kind of progress that you've been able to make, even if they're not necessarily coming into the same circumstances that you were? I think the biggest thing is you can't help others until you helped yourself, right? It's one of those things kind of like the the on the airplane and the mask falls down, put yours on first, then put on theirs. Don't try and fix someone else until you fix yourself, right? So you've got to get your organization operating and functioning incredibly well right it's the old you know uh, great teams do the fundamentals incredibly well so you've got to start there don't look out to the other agencies it's almost overwhelming right so really stick to your what you can control first and build your reputation off of that so improve your services to the point where now the agencies are saying, well, you that's a lot better than you used to be. And I used to actually got those comments, right? Well, you're a lot better than you used to be. Great. But what they're doing is they're allowing me now to prove to them that, yeah, we can provide services. And then you turn into that trusted advisor of theirs saying, okay, wait a minute. You, you've really come a long ways. Now, not only do I want you to help me, but I trust you to help me in my mission, you know, to accomplish my mission. And so the unfortunate thing is with the tenure being so short, is two and a half years long enough, right? And, and that's my big, the probably the biggest concern I have is, you know, two and a half years might be enough to get your house in order and to get things really going well. 
but I think it takes longer. I think it takes probably four years before you can really become that trusted advisor to the other agencies where they are seeing, okay, this is, we will go to the office of the CIO for and include them in our discussions on strategy. We will include them in our problems in solving our problems. Um, but you have to earn that, right? You, and there's only one way to earn it. And that is, you've got to walk the walk, right? You've got to do those things and do them well. So that would be my, my, my biggest advice would get your house in order so that others will notice what you've done and allow you and invite you in to, to help them with their, with their issues. It's hmm. it's interesting. Uh, I guess the, 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 where I want to sort of end it here is, you know, for the last seven years, I'm pretty sure once a year I've asked you, so what's next, Ed, right? What's happening now, uh, now that you've done all this. And I think that hearing all of this, we're at a really interesting point, right? You've, you've, you've done that, that fundamentals. Now you're, you're in that strategy mode. Uh, what comes after strategy, right? Like what comes, what comes next? What's on that horizon? If you have seven more years, uh, what do you, what are you tackling in those seven years? I think we're, really at the place where now that we're reaching out to our customers and we're trying to make it more frictionless and i know a lot of people have you know different views of this but i really think we're ready to be running like a business a lot more where when you come in the example would be hhs you don't know the difference when you're coming in for a service you're coming in for services you don't have to know the path we're going to take you on that path. So when you come in for a certain type of service, how you answer that question, we start start taking you down this decision tree that says, well, wait a minute, there might be another service that you, you're eligible for, right? A business does that. You go in and you go to their website. And next thing you know, they're, they're taking you off on all these other things. Well, I'd like to see that same type of offering in the business sector, in the um, public sector that you kind of get, in the business, in the private sector, right? So, I mean, in a way of, we're going to answer your question before you know you have that question. And I would love to have that type of frictionless environment where, yes, you may be coming after this benefit, but we think you're eligible for these two benefits also. Uh, and wouldn't that be a great success story that when you leave, you go, wow, I was just signing up for this benefit and I ended up getting help uh, with unemployment or got help with, you know, um, some other type of service that they need. Ed Toner, Chief Information Officer for the state of Nebraska. You can read more about him at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. I'm Jake Williams, host of Statescoop's Priorities Podcast. Next week on the show, the CIOs of Delaware and North Carolina tell you what's coming next in their states. You can subscribe to the podcast at prioritiespodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Tennessee is embarking on a big push toward embracing robotic process automation. The state has automated more than 40 different processes, most of which are quite small, but the work isn't stopping there. Stephanie Dedman, Chief Information Officer for the state, tells me how she's thinking about embracing emerging tech like RPA. It's really hard to believe that it is, you know, the last quarter of the year. Um, so I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, some of our priorities in Tennessee um, will continue from, from 2022. We were fortunate enough to work with our administration to get a, a pretty um, healthy chunk of our state's ARPA funding for some enterprise initiatives. 
Um, so to the benefit of all of our agencies, or at least most of them, but priorities include um, our continued move to the cloud and modernization. Um, those two things somewhat go hand in hand, but um, certainly trying to better prepare us for the future in terms of maintaining those systems and making sure our agencies have the most current functionality that they need to, to run their programs. Um, we are also continue to be focused on enterprise data analytics and, and looking for those ways to piece together um, multiple data sources to help us make better decisions and understand um, you know, the, the viability of programs and the benefit and so on. Um, we're also focused on um, uh, process automation or, or robotic process automation. We've been able to stand up an enterprise um, capability and um, have implemented over 40 automations at this point with um, an, a, a pretty sizable backlog of additional automations that we want to develop and implement um, to round out this year and then as we head into next year and really just grow that from there. Um, and cyber continues to be um, a priority and, and we do plan to participate in the uh, federal uh, cyber and local and uh, state and local government grants. And so we're in the midst of all the planning and, and decision-making for that as well. So th those are um, for the most part, the big priorities uh, as we close out the year and move into 2023 and just continue to deliver on those areas. Hearing that you have 40 plus automations underway is, is pretty huge. Um, what are some of the, the lessons learned that you've had so far on that? I mean, what are some of the big results that you've taken away from your RPA work? And admittedly, um, you know, some of those early ones are um, fairly specific and fairly, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, the first 40 were mainly aimed at our shared services agency. So, you know, back office accounting items, um, even some from an IT perspective, um, that we've been able to, to develop to from, from a, uh, both testing and, and billing and whatnot, um, but then also with our Department of Human Resources as well. Um, and then and now we're moving into working with more of the agency, pro programmatic agencies, um, as opposed to back office functions. But, um, you know, key takeaways would be that um, a consulting partner is very helpful, um, and, and we've had good success in working with ours, which is EY. Um, we are also implementing the UiPath or using the UiPath software. Um, the the key there, there's a couple of key things. I mean, one is communications and helping tell the story and getting the agencies and the program leads to understand um, what are good candidates. And then you know it it, it does take a lot of their time. Um, the the business uh, side to participate in what is the process today? Um, how do we improve, can we improve it? If we automate it, what kind of savings are realistic? Um, and then probably the biggest lesson learned is just the discipline around um, quantifying the savings, but then using, because our goal has, has it's not been about uh, reducing headcount. Um, it's more about redirecting critical resources to, to hire, um, uh, those those items and that work that takes more decision and brain power, um, but there's a discipline around being able to say, we saved, you know, two thousand hours this year, and we're using those hours over here because if not, it's not really a savings at all. Um, it doesn't it doesn't mean as much to say we, we're saving this many hours if you can't quantify that into what we're either we're avoiding hiring new people or hiring contractors 
uh, or we have a huge uh, amount of error reduction, which results in some kind of savings. So the biggest thing is really that discipline and working through if we if we hand you back hours, how are you going to use them to save money? Because we are investing. We're spending money to do this. So we have to deliver on those savings in, in real quantifiable ways. And how does that sort of segue into the workforce? I'd be remiss not to talk about it, uh, given how big of a presence it was at NASIO and how big of a presence it was in uh, in the state CIO report this year. Um you talk about not reducing headcount, which which is great. That aligns with everything we're hearing from a lot of other states as well. Uh, but but sort of how does all of this stuff play together toward your approach on on something like workforce? Well, that's a really good point because um, because hiring not only in IT but certainly in other areas of state government. I mean, the competition for talent is just so high that I mean, our hope is that with with the savings from process automation, we can um, either. It, it, as we have attrition, either not fill those positions or we can deliver time back to an agency who is really struggling to get some things done because they, they you know, they have uh, vacancies or a hard time filling positions. So that is part of the benefit of robotic process automation. And it will honestly still remains to be seen if that's um, how it plays out. Um, you know, sitting in middle Tennessee where the job market is so so popular, so competitive. I mean, Oracle, Amazon, Assurian, you know, a number of companies have, have opened headquarters or some, some operations in Nashville. And so the war for talent, war is such a, um, the competition for talent is, is so steep that we have to be creative and, and hopefully use process automation to our benefit there. Um, so we, we definitely found ourselves, um, you know, losing some folks some good folks to the private sector. Um, in some cases, they do come back because the grass is not always greener, but you cannot count on that. And that's not always the case. Um, and so it's just workforce is going to continue to be a hot topic uh, and reten specifically for us retention and then, um, you know, creating a work environment that helps people stay and grow their careers as opposed to, to leaving to go elsewhere. I really do feel like a lot of leaders are, are sort of leaning on these building block concepts where we do this so that we can do this and then we do this and then it means this. Um, where are you at with that journey? I mean, I, I, I've been hearing, you know, from from you as long as you've been in your role and, and even before uh, about these these incremental steps that Tennessee has been taking. And I think it's so interesting when when they sort of culminate in the buzzwords that we've that we in the media have probably been trying to get you to talk about for years. Uh, where, where does that where does that look like for you now when you're looking at things like cloud and, and, and modernization? Well, the thing, I guess the thing I would share with you is it's not necessarily a new concept in, in these discussions, which is that whole CIO is a broker. Um, you know, I, I feel like I, I've been in my role for four years and, and over those four years, you know, figuring out, trying to figure out, um, you know, what things we need to be doing for, our, for our customers, the state agencies to make their lives easier, and then to ultimately benefit the delivery of programs to our citizens. Um, and so I hadn't really had a focus on CIO as the bro as a broker, but it is, to some extent where we have been going in an unplanned fashion in terms of we are doing some managed services. I mean, we, uh, you know, we outsourced our mainframe years ago. Um, we definitely, you know, have software as a service in numerous areas. And those are all pieces of CIO as a broker. 
Um, and so it's it, it, we're now at the cusp of figuring out, beginning to figure out what what functions do we absolutely need to keep, and and then what 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 areas where we're having high turnover or we have high um, you know increased retirement areas, um, where are the opportunities to rely on our vendor partners a little bit more heavily than we have, um, and so the. You, you know, you talked about the building blocks and some of that happens by plan and some of it just happens <laughs> by luck or, or accident, um, which, you know, is is part of it, too. You, you some, To some extent, you figure out things as you go. But we're trying to take a more planned format of, OK, seeing where we are today, um, knowing that the, the competition for talent is just getting harder um, as we have retirements and natural attrition. Um, what is the right timing and the skills, the skills we need are going to be a little bit different. I'll come back to that. But, um, you know, planning out that progression of what does it look like in a year? What does it look like in three years? Um, and so back to the skills point, you know, we're finding we're, we're going to need more um, vendor management skills and, and contract management. And it's going to be more about, um, you know, analyzing the, the metrics and the cost and, and the return on investment for, for future spend based on um, a, a little bit different way to deliver those services. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I feel like pre-pandemic um, CIOs were clamoring. They're like, if only we had a little bit of money <laughs> to invest in some of these things and, and it would really set us up long. And now, now that's happened. I mean, uh, tell me a little bit more about some of those projects and, and what that, that funding has enabled you to do and, and, and sort of how that adjusts that strategic look forward. Right. You know, it's a, it's a fair, as you're alluding to, it's a, it's a fairly unprecedented uh, time for us as we, as we come out of the pandemic and, and there is more funding, but, but the, the, the landscape of how we need to deliver services has changed too. I mean, people, th there's more of an understanding that you can do virtual, you can deliver services in a different way. And so, you know, we, we all often talk about some of the the silver lining of the pandemic, not that the event itself was anything we'd ever want to have to go through, but, but we, we adjusted and we adopted, adapted to, in some ways, a new way of doing things. Um, and so we, we were just able to make the case that because of that, that our citizens want to do more things online. There's much more, but just like we have more employees working from home and being productive, we have citizens uh, who want to do their get their services online. Um, and so um, we some of the projects, they really fit into those, we call them our five strategic areas. That, 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 and it was just, some of it was accelerating cloud, accelerating our move. Um, and some of that is uh, relying on um, consulting expertise for helping us modernize and also um, either lift and shift or do the right thing to go to the cloud to, to move our applications or develop new applications in the cloud. Um, uh, let's see, data analytics is another area just that we've been able to kind of accelerate and invest in um, the technology to, to do more of that. And so I guess in summary, most of the ARPA projects, um, now there, there are strategic things like identity and access management, which we had really just not been able to get there. And so that's an example of, of projects that are ways that we, we use um, the ARPA dollars. Um, others are some of the specific cybersecurity tools, um, some air gap technology, uh, the cloud access security broker. It's really just furthering us or it's it's accelerating it and, and moving us further 
um, into a much more mature level over the next two to three years using those ARPA dollars. Um, and, and part of it is a, a more formal digital government strategy. I think we've We've done pieces and parts without an overarching strategy. I kind of hate to admit that, but um, most of it's out of necessity and, and you know, the, somewhat the pandemic. So um, long answer to your question to say it's, it's accelerating our strategic initiatives, but then also investing in some of those technologies that help us be more secure and deliver those services in a better way. We're talking about enterprise data analytics. Um, this is something, you know, again, we, as long as I've been doing this, we've been talking about data. And I think that um, maybe now more than ever, and maybe it's the rise of, of the state chief data officer, maybe there, because there are more of those, because there's more organization around it, it's happening. But, but I feel like CIOs are actually starting to get their arms around the data challenge. Um, where are you in that, in that, uh, journey when it comes to data and, and sort of how does, your work with the state's data or your team's work with the state's data, how does that influence or or reflect sort of where you want to take things going forward? Yeah, it's, I think like so many states, it's been a bit of a challenge for us in terms of just promoting data sharing and really, you know, getting the agencies more comfortable with that as a, as a concept. I mean, as you know, we've got, we've got agencies who don't even share their data across programs. Um, and so, this is where I think going later with an initiative, meaning following other states is good because we can we can say, but you know, state X, Y, and Z have done this and the feds were okay with it. Um, and so we ought to be able to figure it out. Um, so we're we're still admittedly or unfortunately early in the journey, but but we have uh, we have the tools in place now, we have the um, organizational structure in place. And to, to explain it a little further for us, it, this um, organizationally kind of the governance actually sits in outside of IT. It's a business unit um, still within our same department. We're part of our Department of Finance and Administration. It's a sort of a sister agency. Um, and so they're driving most of the, the agency engagement and, uh, you know, the data sharing agreements and the process. And we're of course, supporting the, the technology investments and, and helping understand the benefits of all that and how we hold it together. So in some ways, that's it. Well, it's definitely been a good partnership. And and I actually promoted that model because I felt like if IT, if we tried to own the governance and the organizational responsibility, it would consume us and we probably wouldn't get as much done. So um, over the last three to four years, we've actually been able to build um, that organizational capacity. Um, having data scientists, um, not just in IT, but even at the agency level is very important. Um, I think you sort of have to have that kind of mindset to understand the art of the possible and what it means to tie this data together. Um, so that's that's where we are. We're, we have a, um, about four or five use cases that, that we're working on, and we, we feel like we have to kind of prove that and, and then tell the story to get others on board um, with the process. Stephanie Denman, Chief Information Officer for the state of Tennessee. You can read more about her and robotic process automation at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. Vermont is continuing its efforts to make incremental progress on legacy modernization efforts, all while furthering the way the state's digital services work. Sean Naylor, the state's interim Secretary of Digital Services and CIO, tells me how they're keeping the ball moving in the state. It's a lot, right? Um, so we're really just. Uh... I guess I would say we're going to build upon the work that the agency digital services has done in the last five years. Um, you know, we're doubling down in a couple of key areas. 
so, you know, one of the things that's top of mind is always cybersecurity, right? And so, you know, we're looking at um, everything from, you know, what does the IIJA grants mean to us? How do we, what's our role? How do we plug in with our local uh, Department of Homeland Security folks? Um, what is that going to mean for municipalities, right? And how can we leverage that and make sure that the dollars we spend there have the best, uh, best outcomes for Vermont, right? You know, so that's, that's a focus area. And we're trying to balance that while at the same time we're implementing a SIM, right? You know, so uh, security information and event management um, solution that's going to really help us. I feel like it's going to be taking our cybersecurity at least awareness to the next level, right? You know, it's what's, it's going to pick up the things that we have uh, not had the opportunity to have full, full vision over. Uh, we're doing that in a, as a service offering. So it's bringing something in, a, you know, 24 by seven that will really help us long-term uh, that we just haven't had the, uh, the option to do until now. Um, so, you know, cyber is always important. Uh, modernization. Right. You know, um, we're like everyone else in that. I don't think we're anywhere near as modern as we'd like to be. And that is everything from data centers and, and infrastructure to the applications that we're running. Um, one of the things we've done is the last couple of years have been very successful in securing funding for uh, some pretty key modernization projects. And we're now seeing them take flight. And so we're really focusing on making sure that they're getting the proper traction, they're getting the attention, right? Just because we've got the funding doesn't mean we can take a, a deep breath and kind of let it go on its own. We're, you know, we're making sure we have the proper oversight and the proper technical resources plugged in. So we're, you know, four of those are um, replacing our DMV core systems. That's in, in progress, but is, you know, uh, always going to be top of mind because that's a very citizen centric space for us, for like all states. Um, we're sitting really good in that we have two modernization efforts going at our Department of Labor, which has been traditionally, uh, I'll, I'll characterize it as an underserved area. Um, and most importantly, we're doing a workforce development, but on top of that, we're also doing our full unemployment insurance system modernization. Um, that is underway. The, the procurement is underway. So we're excited by that um, and look to modernize there. And then the last one is one that's really, I think is going to be a cornerstone to help government in Vermont function a little bit more efficiently long-term, and that is implementing a, a modern uh, cloud-based ERP system. Um, we've started down that path. Uh, we're, we're working on implementation SI services right now, uh, starting to go and figure out who we're going to do. We've, we've done our technology selection and, and licensing, and so we're we're positioned to, to really kick that off. And I think that will allow us to help on, that's gonna help us on so many fronts, right? You know, whether it's workforce recruitment or financial transparency, um, you know, the full breadth of things that, uh, and budget and planning, which comes with our, our ERP system. Uh, in addition to that, you know, we talked about a little bit about the financial transparency there in the, in the ERP, but we're, um, I'm not going to get ahead of the governor, but we do have a couple of projects uh, anticipated for uh, we're advocating for for this year's legislative session. Because what we want to do is take the momentum of what happened last year, 
with regards to establishing a, a modernization fund, a dedicated modernization fund, and make sure that we're back with a reasonable and kind of, I want to say a, a consistent targeted amount annually so we can ingrain that in the process so that we have the monies to uh, move forward and continue a modernization path that doesn't look like peaks and valleys, uh, that is really uh, consistently funded and will deliver you know, over time, bring all systems uh, up to a modern standard for the state of Vermont. Um, and then probably last, I wouldn't say probably last week, but more, you know, one is that's uh, more citizen centric is trying to trying to grow our digital experience for Vermonters and, and people, not just Vermonters, but people that do business with the state of Vermont. And um, it's probably Everyone is aware that uh, Salesforce has played a, a critical role up until now in, in our vision for like, getting to that point where we have a 360 degree constituent perspective. Uh, one of the challenges we've had is uh, the adoption uh, of that can be not at a pace that we would like. So it's, we need to get more citizens re uh, represented in there so we can start looking at those things of you know, population level uh, opportunities to suggest services and deliver services uh, targeted, right? Uh, more directly to, to those that need it or may qualify for it. And so what we're really looking at is establishing, uh, you know, what we're calling like a, a digital, digital front door, right? That is uh, instead of um, maybe your traditional uh, citizen portal, but looking to leverage uh, our investments in Salesforce build upon it and then also bring in fold in things like consent management, identity and access management, um, you know, and start to look at having uh, tiers of trust. Right. And so as we take citizens and their comfort level grows with trusting us with like proofing who they are, it opens the doors to more digital services based on that. So we can have higher degree of confidence, target delivery but then also use that as a means to help reduce things like fraud, right? The attempts of fraud we saw during the pandemic against unemployment systems. Um, so that's, that's a lot, but I mean, that's really, um, you know, the, the things that we're focused on, which is really just a, a continuation of, uh, of what we've been doing for the last couple of years here in Vermont. It's funny, you you started your answer off by saying it's a lot, and it's so true. <laughs> it is it is a lot. You have a lot, a lot going on. Um, you know, one of the key themes that I'm picking up, not just from talking to you, but in the last couple of interviews that I've done with, with state CIOs, is this idea of, of, you know, literal years of progress and years of, of work sort of culminating in moments like these where you're delivering, right? You're mm -hmm. delivering these citizen services. You're delivering on uh, that experience internally. You're modernizing these, you know, agency uh, operations and tools. Um, uh, but now it's actually happening. What is that like to, to sort of drive some of this stuff at, at a relatively rapid pace compared to the last couple of years? It's, it, it's an interesting time, right? We, um, the pandemic allowed a lot of that to happen at an accelerated pace, right? The adoption of some of these things were not going to go at business as usual pace pre-pandemic. It's, uh, I guess it's, it's for myself personally, it's, it's great to see, right? And it's a reaffirmation of the decisions we've made in the investments. 
But at the same time, is is like once you start to have success with it, that's not necessarily enough. You want to see it go to the next piece, right? So it's it's almost like that adoption. It's great to see and and like I said, reaffirm the decisions and the directions that uh, you know states have worked so hard to to strive for. Um, but then once you start to have the success, you just want it to grow, right? You want you know what the uh, the impacts these investments can have for your state. And so you want it to, to continue. So I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting to, that you bring it up, right? Cause I, sometimes we don't take pause to think about that. We're at that point where we're realizing some of those benefits because we're just like trying to go, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? How can we build upon this? Keep the momentum going. Um, and I think that's been with the work paired with the workforce challenges coming out of the pandemic has been one of the things that we have to really keep top of mind is you know, continuing that momentum so we don't lose it at this point. Yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, CIOs would be like, oh, a dedicated modernization fund. I mean, that sounds amazing. We'll never get that, right? And so the, <laughs> that's oh. sort of what I, I mean. That's so that's so interesting to to see those kind yeah. of things happen. And that that really is, in a lot of ways, and, and I think you alluded to this, that really is kind of that key to consistent modernization and not just these peaks and valleys when when the opportunity arises. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, I'm going to use, uh, you know, we are sitting in the time with between the federal funds, um, you know, our own state has seen uh, better than expected revenue on general fund and stuff. You know, we've had, we've not been competing like when uh, uh, times are a little tougher. Um, and what's that afforded us to do is when times are tough, that's when like your unemployment insurance system is really stressed and strained. And then when the economy comes back, everybody forgets about that, right? And that's when you want to modernize. So this has also afforded us to, to be able to take those things while it's still fresh in our, our experience, right? And um, turn those into opportunities with this funding. And we're delivering, right? We're, we're starting, like you said, we're starting to see the delivery of that. And that is what brings the success. So the, you know, you, you deliver on the projects and then the, the legislature, the administration, those folks involved are, uh, eager to see what the next one is and continue to support it. So it's a it's a wonderful and busy time to be in these roles, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so let's let's close on. I want to talk a little bit more about the digital services piece. Uh, I think that it it's it's interesting, and I, I think it was I think it was your predecessor who who said it um, recently when we were talking to him as as he left his role was the idea that um, you know five years ago the agency of digital services was created and now we're at the point where like we're really doing digital services right and I think that that's um, such an interesting point to be at. I mean, what is uh, you talked about the adoption piece? That's a that's a key challenge that. Again, I've heard states talk about, but I feel like not a lot have actually gotten to the point where they need to worry about it because now, but now you actually have these digital services that you're trying to get in front of the citizen. So what does that look like? What, what are some of the ways that you're trying to get around that adoption challenge? And, and how do you see that, um, you know, changing and growing into, into 2023? Um, I think for us, one of the, so I'm not sure if you're aware, but I've been part of uh, the ANC digital services since its inception, right? And um, had the privilege for up and you know serve as the deputy uh, to Secretary Quinn up until his departure, and you know we're we're looking at now as a is a point we have enough experience, right? So for to build an agency in five years is you just don't that doesn't happen very often in state government where you get to to do that. And so we we're now we've been here, you know uh, the governor's been in office, the administration has been here. 
we are benefiting from being able to have some uh, retrospective, right? And be able to look back and say, okay, we got here because of this. What are the things we need to get to that next level? Um, and I will never, with one exception, <laughs> claim that I want uh, any of our teams or us to be in, uh, an inch deep and a mile wide in anywhere. With the exception of, I think, what we're looking at is in that citizen experience, right? And so looking at creating that citizen portal, um, creating that single front door, regardless of what the solution may be that um, uh, the citizen ends up transacting with, right? Whether it's a vehicle solution or a health and human services solution or a tax department solution, but creating that consistent experience and then starting to pull up to that level uh, core, core information, demographics, uh, credentialing, identity management, you know, those things to that, that common umbrella, which is, I think, which is going to be the, I hope, right, that that's going to be the accelerator for the next digital services. Because if now someone has a digital service and they don't need to worry about collecting Sean Naylor's email address and phone numbers and mailing addresses and, you know, preferred pronouns and, you know, and then also other things and, and consent management and identity management. If we can start managing those at like the, at a executive branch level for all the agencies and departments, I feel like then that really becomes an accelerator for the next level of digital services, because those are now going to be just um, available to be consumed through the through the overarching system. So I, I, to me, I think that's where we're, and that's what we're really going to be focusing on that is to grow that because we've uh, we've been doing it vertically, and while that is we've had great adoption, it, we've not touched all citizens, right? So we need to figure out a way by which the next level is having some engagement with all citizens, which really feels like it's through that, that portal, that, that digital door front, uh, front door. So that's where I'm seeing it going. That's what we're focusing on. And we're really kind of working on uh, the ideas of how do we do that in a way that's going to make uh, for a consistent, secure, predictable experience for for people that need to do business with for the state of vermont sean naylor cio for the state of vermont you can read more about him and modernization at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes the priorities podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts if you haven't already please leave a review or a rating on the podcast page they make it more likely that more people will find the show this podcast is a production of scoop news group in washington dc carlin fisher and james mahoney helped put it together and the entire scoop news group team contributes until next week, I'm your host, Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.